Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of Edgeguard, a podcast where we look at games on the fringe. My name is Jordan, and I am joined this fine day by my friend Blake. My name is Blake, and I am also talking weirdly like Jordan. <laughs> are you are you mocking me right now? No, I would never. Yeah, that that's very disrespectful to uh, uh, the host of a uh, podcast. I am um, hey co-host. <laughs> Mm, Check your I don't know. I don't know. I'm introducing this week, so I think that means I hold the authority. Ah, so, fuck here. <laughs> um, but speaking of introducing uh, the eps- uh, the um, excuse me, the game that we're uh, we'll be talking about today is a twine uh, game, sort of an interactive fiction um, by Austin Walker that is called A Century, uh, and it's uh, spelled a little stylized. It's uh, like the word ascent. Um, except the S is in parentheses and then century. So it's like a portmanteau of ascent and century. Yeah. And you actually have failed to mention, uh, that it's, Oh, right. A, it was a, a twine parentheses oh. S parentheses century. Right. So it can it's, be read as a century or as a century. Yeah. So it's kind of like, the two two words a century and then in the middle is s in parentheses it's it's kind of interesting <laughs> how it's spelled yeah 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 um right so yeah it's it's a uh, also supposed to be able to be read as a century which i think is because um the game takes place over well a lot of years i'm not sure if it's a full century, but like the date you get early in the, in the beginning is like way before the date you get early at the end. Uh, maybe I should have checked it. If it was a full, exactly a full century, that would have been interesting. But yeah, my, my sort of interpretation was that, uh, it sort of takes place over, um, one century. Like Mm -hmm. it's kind of the story of a century in this person's life. And also a story of this person's ascent Yes, uh, in many ways. So it was kind yes. of fitting, which is good because going in, I just thought that it was going to be like some cyberpunk nonsense. For that, mm-hmm. that's why the name was so, uh, like, kind of oddly specific. Yeah, but Austin Walker wouldn't do that for <laughs> Anya. He he's he's always doing smart things that you don't know are smart until after you finished him. Uh, speaking of cyberpunk, uh, this game was made for the cyberpunk game jam. Um, so throw that yeah, in there. Yeah, I think I think it was like maybe 2014 i don't know on the yes HIO it page, was 2014 just said, i looked it up okay okay um, it said it was three years old um and also just to mention really quick uh it's all the text is by austin walker but it features some art by steve kim who if you don't know mm-hmm. at fob washed great twitter follower follower follow he's a he's a really funny guy cool dude and then music by scott hollum i'm gonna say uh hmm which is uh, yeah. you sort of at the start of the the music's not built in, but yeah, on yeah. the first page it says like every good night needs a soundtrack. And if you click it, it opens up a YouTube video that just has all the songs on the soundtrack laid back to back. So you kind of let it play as you play the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I'll, I'll give like a brief summary of what the uh, game is about and what you do in the game. Um, basically the, the dystopian future that this takes place in, you know, as all good cyberpunk narratives, take place in a a dystopian future um and like in many uh cyberpunk narratives it it has um it's sort of about like the the power of like multinational corporations which 
um, in this world uh, have become so powerful that they are essentially like uh, mini governments. Um, they, they've they've er- erased the line between corporation and government, and they are like they have government like authority over the, whatever. Like uh, yeah, I would say they're almost not even mini governments from. The well, they are government. Kind of like, the it is, described. Yeah, they, just, they are government. Yes. They call them like sovs, like sovereign nations, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like technically corporations and sovereign nations are separate. The sovs, mm-hmm. as they call them. Again, as per cyberpunk usual, uh, normal words have to be made super short to sound extra cyberpunk. It's true. <laughs> uh, and they have to be portmanteaued together. together so it's like insov and like corpse yep. are part of sobs, corpse. but sobs are run like a corporation would be. So they're really just shell corpse, mm-hmm. but disguising it, parading as government. Yeah. Yeah. And which I mean, you know, may seem a little, uh, you know, a little strange, but I mean the, the early history of actual corporations on earth is kind of like, that's what they were. Like the East India company mm-hmm. was a pseudo state like entity. Um, sure. So, a uh, little little fun fact of corporate history there. Uh, Truth is stranger than fiction, am I right? Yeah, well, maybe not, because this is a, a very strange uh, narrative. Um, <laughs> it is um, basically what you do in the game is you um, you write uh, like corporate copy for, um, or you you fill in like uh, it we seems should, like we an advertising sort of describe. Yeah, we should sort of describe the premise. It it sort of starts out with uh, your character. It's all like kind of. I think it's a, is it in like third person or is it is that second person technically? Because it keeps saying like you. Yeah, that's did it on yeah. This it is night, like it you. is second person a lot of the times, and then um, yeah, and it's other times the well. narrative like just takes place of like a. Uh, it takes the form of like an email or like a um, uh, press release or something like that. Um, sure, sure. But it starts off basically, it kind of depicts your character as like a scrappy hacker type. And you've heard about the merging of two large corporations mm-hmm. and how like the local branch of one of the corporations in the merger was shut down because all the human jobs were replaced by automation. Yep. yep. Uh, like Android. So, so you're basically going to loot it and you find this uh, like data card that has a program on it that. Uh, is supposed to be some sort of like natural language processing program. And so basically what it enables your character to do is uh, procedurally generate like ad copy. Like you basically like, it's not really gone into super well how it works. Uh, I think mostly because it's like, not really that feasible to be a real thing, mm-hmm. but basically it like generates a certain amount of ad copy and then it, or I guess it's not always ad copy, like press releases and ad copy. And it kind of will like have little word, like sections of dialogue that it like gives options for you to change them. Yeah. So basically it, it spits out like this big paragraph of text and you're going through and in, like individual clauses you're like changing what they are and like i guess trying to make them more cohesive i'm not sure how much that aspect actually matters but um that's sort of like the basis of where where it starts yeah i mean it um you can i don't think it for the most part there are a few times it does matter but for the most part you can like fill it in with whatever you want i think um Mm -hmm. uh the the like which option you select is not actually um doesn't like have any 
effect on any part of the game other than at the very end it like uh, gives you a little like scorecard with uh, what you what you decided and I, I imagine your your like decisions um, to fill in uh, sentences in certain ways have some effect on that mm, yeah probably so what were I guess now that we've sort of explained what was going on what were your like I don't know initial impressions of this of this game um I thought it was uh, very interesting. Um, uh, I've somehow never played a Twine game before. It's something that I've like, I'm very aware of, and like, people I know have talked about. I even know some people that have made Twine games, and I've somehow never played one. Um, so this mm-hmm. was an interesting uh, um, experience to go through. Um, uh, I. I, I liked the, the the narrative for the most part. Like the I felt like the the like corporate dystopia cyberpunk world was pretty well realized. Um, um I don't know. What about you? I, I was a little like um some of the interactive parts didn't feel super necessary, I guess. Um Yeah. But. So that that was kinda like my first impression impression too it's like firstly i was kind of like baffled by the sheer amount of like text in this game like yes, there's a it's lot supposed to be a game jam game and most game jams are like a weekend or sometimes yeah, a like week 48 I guess hours are, or something yeah yeah i guess some of them are longer but if this whole game like i have to imagine that even if it was all written in this time that like the skeleton of it had to exist somewhere other than just inside awesome walker's brain because there is a like of all the things to say about this game, I think one of the biggest ones is that it's just like the world has a lot of detail and like some of it I might even say is like a little bit unnecessary for like the story the game's trying to tell, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of it regardless. Um, uh, and it's super, it's definitely like super duper narrative heavy. Like I was expecting I've most, I mean, I guess I've only really played one like twine game and it wasn't actually, twine it was like the intro to firewatch i'm not sure if you ever played that but basically at the beginning it has like a little text part before you start oh yes i did play that yeah 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 and that that actually they they built uh that in twine and then they like rebuilt a system to make twine work in unity so that they could uh they could like have that at the beginning of firewatch that you technically have played played a twine game if you played that i did not i did not know that about that game um that's interesting yeah, um, but sort of my understanding of like a twine game is like it gives you some text and then there's some options and based on what options you choose, they're like branching story, which I don't really get the implication that there's that going on in this game. It sort of seemed like you were making a couple choices, but the text you were seeing afterward was mostly the same. It was just like mm-hmm. filling in, you made this choice, and then at the end you see that like behind the scenes it's been like giving you scores yeah. for different uh, sort of here, I can read them off to you. Uh, expansion, exploitation, synthetic, space bias, and intervention. Yeah, space bias. I thought that one was interesting. <laughs> yeah, but I <laughs> guess you like we space. Should, we sh- yeah, I guess what we should mention is that uh, this game pretty quickly uh, expands from like your uh, contract worker writing ad copy using your weird procedural robot. Uh, man, I it's I'm kind of s- still struggling to find a place to start because there's like there's just a lot going on in this game. <laughs> yeah, and the, the narrative is very complex, and um, I I sort of find that like 
these sorts of uh, non, I mean, it's largely linear, but within each like uh, moment of narrative, there's a, a lot of like basically hyperlinks that you can click on. Um, sure. And even if it, it, like your navigation of the, the text is like linear, it just kind of like, uh, it's, it's hard to keep track of all the information when you're going through a narrative like this. I feel this way in a lot of like uh, electronic literature, like hypertext fiction. I, I don't know mm -hmm. if you know this, but in like the late 90s, it was a very popular thing among like experimental writers was hypertext fiction. And I've read a few of them and it's just like, it is so hard to just keep track of all the information in your mind because it's like sure. you're just jumping all over the place. Yeah, and I actually, I actually do know a good amount about it because I took a writing for new media class and we had to make our own hypertext fiction. Oh, really? Like the final project, yeah. Huh. So I did have to read some of that. But yeah, I definitely, like, one of the problems I have when reading something like this is what I tend to do, because basically what Jordan's describing as hyperlink is you'll be, like, reading a paragraph and one of the words will sort of, like, have a little box around it. So it'll refer to something that you're unfamiliar with. Uh, and then... If you click on it, it'll pull up a little page that describes what that thing is. So it's like some basically backstory about the fiction of the world. And then you read that and then you can go back. So generally, probably how I should do it is read the whole thing without reading what any of that stuff is. Uh, and then read what those yeah. are and give them renewed context. But usually what ends up happening is I stop mid-sentence, go and read the thing, come back, and then mm -hmm. try and read it all again. It ends up, I don't know, coming out a little scattered in my brain. Like Yeah, same. I mean, luckily, usually you only have to go through, like, one click deep when that happens, and then you yeah, go back. Yeah. Uh, the, the problem I encounter in a lot of hypertext fiction, which is only a problem from one point of view, I think most hypertext writers are like, this is the best part about the form. But, like, mm -hmm. you might click through one link and then, like, you come to a page that, that itself has five links, which themselves yeah. have five links. And you quickly get lost. Yeah. You kind of like fall down the rabbit hole. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. It sounds kind of like, uh, like maybe how you would play like her story or something where you're just like kind of following leads, except for, yeah, yeah you have to like, it's an interesting comparison. You have to like go back up the levels to, <laughs> to find like what you were actually reading about. Yeah. First. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but anyway, my, my kind of point in saying that it's like, there's kind of a lot going on is, this it has a few themes that I think that it explores and like at what I thought about it 15 minutes in what I thought about the game what, like what it was about broadly it was kind of not the case for like the second half of the game because mm -hmm. the first half is definitely a lot about like clearly your character is like kind of working class and he's like a contract worker kind of down on his luck and then he comes upon this program and, and it's uh, it's a creative thing and it's you can you can kind of get the sense that creativity has been commodified even mm -hmm. more so than it has now i mean yeah in many cases creativity is a commodity now but it's kind of been like more explicitly commodified like corporate uh corporations have a name for creative people they call them crates, crates. yep crates and they <laughs> and they do contract work so basically you're a contract worker writing this ad copy and then after a certain point uh they like your stuff enough that they decide to well, I guess they, you, you're doing corporate copy for a while. Um, and you kind of, it talks a lot about the tension between contract workers and the companies that hire them, mm -hmm. which I think is ex 
I think is definitely uh, like an important theme because uh, I know Austin Walker was a freelance games writer for quite some time before he uh-huh. broke into the industry proper. So I definitely think that uh, some of like the views espoused about like contract workers and how poorly they're treated and yeah. how, kind of how easy it is to uh, lose your power in the situation and the security of your like livelihood is so fragile mm-hmm. uh, is like something he definitely probably experienced personally. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I, it does seem like it's, um, uh, it, it's very personal. The satire is, it seem, feels very personal at least in, in some of these uh, moments. Um, I, I sort of get the impression that the, uh, the basic form of the like filling in a few of the like nouns and adjectives of a pre-constructed sentence uh, mm-hmm. is kind of, is itself kind of like a satire of the way that like, you know, clickbaity uh, online articles are already written. And um, yeah, I hadn't even, I hadn't even considered that, but that's also like, I mean, think about as a freelance writer and a writer like Austin Walker. I mean, he's a, he's a smart dude. And a lot of the writing that he has done about games is a little bit more, you know, thoughtful than you generally see. Like he's not really a person with his website waypoint, which he's the editor and editor in chief of, uh, they're not really concerned at all about writing reviews of games. They, they mm-hmm. kind of talk about games in a similar, similar way that you and I do in, in the podcast. They kind of, you know, they're critical about things and they talk about like the cultural implications and, yeah, uh, yeah. and all that. So it's, I think it's definitely what you're saying is right. Cause I mean, I think a lot of freelance work in games, it's like, Hey, write a review for this game. And if you give them like some flowery th- analysis of, you know, this thing and why it's meaningful to that, that you think. And they're just like, Hey man, we just wanted you to tell us, give us, give it a score for graphics, give it a score for gameplay, give it a score for audio, and then aggregate that score to get the final score of the game. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I definitely think that like, it, you're probably right in that it's, uh, the sort of the, the mechanism with which you're picking the ad copy is uh, sort of spearing uh, that notion of mm-hmm. like, they want you to write a review, but they don't really want you to write it. They just want you to accumulate all the things that make a game review and you're just the one aggregating it because they don't have time to do it yeah, or they're yeah. not paying someone to do it. You're doing basically the, the bitch work, the grunt work. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, yeah. But anyway, the, the game sort of moves on from that because you get like sort of well recognized enough by this company that you um you you sort of get enough leverage with this company that they're like okay we want to hire you in we we give you an offer mm-hmm. which is like uh in, in in this world it's kind of described that like i never would have imagined i got an offer like i knew that this uh this program was going to change my life, but I didn't, I had never imagined that they would give me an offer. Um, and so it basically means like, we want you to come actually work for the corporation because it seems like a lot of the work done is, is contract work. Uh, but anyway, they, they say, okay, come be our creative director. And then from then on, it sort of becomes a story of your character, like, climbing the ladder Mm -hmm. and using the position of a creative director to like (coughs) change the whole scope of this company, which it starts out being like a coffee company, like a corporation. (laughs) I guess a lot of the corporation in this game are kind of sold to you as like 
kind of how a lot of more modern corporations are. It's like, well, we started as a, you know, a coffee company, but now we're like a multi-global <laughs> client research now we just collective. Owns, own lots of shit, basically. Like, yeah. 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 And so I think like it's definitely commenting a lot on that because it's like your your company is called coffee, but the reason or it's like cafe, like K-A-F-F-E, mm-hmm. and they make they were originally known for making coffee and you were writing ad copy for their coffee products. And then they're like, okay, we want to bring you in because we're rebranding to RKS. We don't know what RKS stands yeah, for. Yeah, you get to so fill you that figure in. that out for us. Yeah. And so you basically rebrand this whole company. And then at a certain point you find out that your character has like manipulated his contract and discovered a way to control the acquisitions that the company has. And you basically, just are expanding your power until you're like basically like uh buying out elections and stuff yep, yep. it's 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 kind of crazy like, and then you it like ends with you like going to war with another company or another government really um mm-hmm. and then uh yeah but it's just like you you accumulate all this power which i i thought was some of the most fun part of the the game was when you were like buying the other companies and you got to just like browse through these like comically dystopian companies. Like I bought a church and like a security uh, company. It was, I thought that part was really funny. I liked, I liked the church one because it's like, uh, so you basically the format that this takes is like, I was allowed to make acquisitions. So I made, I think you make like five acquisitions. And so basically it, it pulls up and it gives you three options and you read through them and you pick one and then it pulls up another three or four options. You read through them all, pick one and you do that four or five times. Um, and like the one you're describing, it, it's like uh, some so-and-so religious holdings or something. And then you go in and it's like talking about all the services that they provide. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like all this shit that is not religious at all. <laughs> and then the last, and then like the last, uh, uh, like, uh, Oh fuck it! It's like a bulleted list. The last bullet is like religious services. <laughs> it's just like it's definitely a lot about like how companies like expand from being the thing they started being when they were in like 1900, <laughs> and to now it's just like who knows what they are? Yeah, they're a multinational conglomerate. But anyway, you mentioned that they were kind of like comically dystopian. So was your impression of this game that it was like? comically satirical or just kind of like darkly satirical um i i think it it wasn't like uh often it was just darkly satirical which i i sort of think that satire always is a little bit uh humorous always has the possibility of being a little humorous even if it's like the most biting satire Mm -hmm. but i think that um uh there, there definitely was a a humorous streak to some of the um some of the like content of uh, the descriptions of uh, of this world. It, it's it actually sort of reminded me of it is as if you're doing work a little bit in the way that like uh, like the emptiness of like corporate speak becomes a joke. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but but the the difference is that this this game also had a lot of like just like really dark stuff when it's just like talking about uh, um, uh, like w- workers getting like killed in mining accidents and stuff like that um 
yeah and like food shortages and natural disasters and like corporations intentionally making the earth uninhabitable because Mm -hmm. it makes it easier to collect resources when there's not people or or the the darkest one was the uh the like eco company i'm not sure if you saw this but it basically was like uh, oh yes it, it made money um helping the environment but it always made sure to not fully solve climate problems so that it continued to have a reason to exist yeah i think i think they like the way it's phrased that was actually one of the things funny enough despite it being one of the darkest one was also one of the ones i probably like actually laughed at yeah because it's like they were working on fixing the environment until they learned that they were putting themselves out of the job so then they worked on fixing the environment exactly enough to keep their business profitable (laughs) it's just like oof yeah 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 so that's i think that's a great um sort of like example of how like the, the kind of like a uh, satire that the game uh, goes for yeah yeah although in a way that's uh you know that corporation is almost a little bit hopeful that it's even possible to fix our ecological problems <laughs> yeah it's true totally and i mean there, there are moments like that i think it's funny that it's a coffee company because like mm-hmm. um the 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 sort of like we're going to make the world a better place through our profit seeking activities. I, I, uh-huh. I feel like Starbucks is one of the most like, uh, like one of the greatest examples of that. They're always like, we're going to donate a shoe for every cop, every coffee you buy or whatever. Um, sure. So I wonder if that's an intentional, like bit of satire there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so one thing I wanted to ask you what you thought about was the like little epigraphs that start the, I guess the, the chapters, the levels, like the quotes from mm-hmm. random people from yep. like historical quotes from our time period, mostly, uh, not exclusively. Um, there's one from mm-hmm. Marx, which is obviously not our time there's period. There's Aristotle too. Yeah. Aristotle. Um, I guess I was just thinking contemporary cause the two that I have open on my, uh, browser right now are contemporary. Oh, I see. I see. Um, there's, uh, both of them kind of like, uh, are very much in the like, um, satire of corporations mode although both of them are from like actual uh like millionaires and billionaires who are being unwittingly satirical of themselves they say things that when you read them out of context it's like wow that's a really dark thing to say but uh absolutely (laughs) they weren't intentionally dark things so i'll I'll read one of them just because it's so funny it's kind of a famous quote i've heard it before is it the the kevin o'leary one no but that's the other one i have open uh the one i was going to read is the mark zuckerberg one where he says Mm. a squirrel dying in front of your house may be more relevant to your interests right now than people dying in africa (laughs) it's like i i guess but like what what are you trying to what are you trying to See, say? I guess when, when I read that one, it was like, that's the, the first quote that you're presented, mm-hmm. uh, is you're sort of given like this prologue, which is your character finding the software and like sowing the seeds of it. And then it, it gives you that, that epigraph that you described where it's, uh, what does it say? Um, a year of making coffee. Yeah. And then, yeah. uh, and then it gives you that quote and there's like a piece of art and then it sort of talks about and then you go into the section where you're like writing the ad copy for the the coffee beverage uh Uh, and so at that point i thought that mark zuckerberg was being like intentionally like talking about how ridiculous it is that like a person would ever be more concerned about a dead squirrel on their front porch than than, like starving to dying human people (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh but then uh you should read that kevin o'leary one because i think 
is that the next one or is that like the next next one i don't remember um, but this one i was i couldn't <laughs> i could not believe that this was re- well yeah i guess thinking about who kevin o'leary is uh i guess my only familiarity with him is from shark tank and it's very infitting with his character in shark Tank. oh is it i actually was not familiar with who he is at all i had to look him up but uh, sure he's a rich guy yeah i i figured he must be <laughs> i i looked it up so here's um here's the quote uh and this is in response to someone telling him that the world's 85 richest people has have as much wealth as half of the earth's population. He says, it's fantastic. This is a great thing because it inspires everybody, gets them motivation to look up to the 1% and say, I want to become one of those people. I'm going to fight hard to get up to the top. This is fantastic news. Of course I applaud it. What could be wrong with this? <laughs> it's just- that is like the richest, whitest <laughs> possible thing a person could even a robot a, a procedural robot could not come up with a more ridiculous like a more like hyper privileged rich white guy thing to say yeah it's than like that it is it is it, it's great i mean though if it it fits the tone of this like uh this this story so well because it's just like uh people who are like super smiling faces uh talking about how great things are when the people they're talking to are like um no are you kidding me <laughs> yeah it's like uh what the fuck homie <laughs> like yeah everyone should want to make be so rich that people are starving in africa but man fuck i bet you it's great that they want to be as rich as me someday <laughs> it's like yo <laughs> yeah and it's like it i mean i wouldn't be surprised if kevin o'leary is the kind of person who's you know says things in bad faith it doesn't really mean what he says but it's like because it's like actually hard to believe that someone yeah believes this i mean maybe he does i mean maybe he actually thinks that like you've never watched shark tank then i I actually never have which you know okay maybe i never like one of the he's one of the investor guys on shark tank and he's like kind of like the bad guy one who's just an asshole so like maybe he's just a real life asshole or I don't know. Maybe this was given in an interview that had something to do with shark tank because Mm -hmm. in that show, he's like constantly being a giant prick. Hmm. (laughs) So, yeah. Okay. Maybe he's just a giant prick. I mean, yeah, this is, uh, when you, you reach a moment of like, um, like, uh, just out of, you, you reach a point when you're so out of touch with like the vast majority of humanity that it is totally impossible to know when you're being sarcastic and when you're not. It's just like, you're so foreign to me. I have no idea when you're being serious. Yeah. Just ridiculous. I'm sure. Anyway. And then uh, go ahead. I I mean, he probably is like naive enough to think that, uh, get becoming a billionaire is directly correlated to how hard you work, but yeah. And I also feel like, wealthy people that are as wealthy as he is like they don't understand people whose motivation in life is not just to become as wealthy as possible like they just don't have a grasp that there could be a person to just be like i don't really care if i make enough money to pay my bills then i want to make cool art yeah it's just like well what do you mean you want to sell cool art is what you mean you want to make a lot of money you want to make a billion dollars like nah man i don't want to make a billion dollars i know what the fuck i'm gonna do with a billion dollars i'm not even gonna be the same person with a billion dollars Ugh. Um, but anyway, and then I think the other two quotes, there's one Aristotle quote from politics. I didn't keep it, uh, like, uh, I didn't 
write it down or anything but it was it was pretty good and then the final quote is a Karl Marx quote that I also thought was uh, was pretty good and uh, yeah. brought us back around to robot communism we haven't <laughs> talked about robot communism since subsurface <laughs> circular like what two weeks ago three weeks ago yeah, so. <laughs> um, I mean I, I don't know that uh, the robots were on Karl Marx's mind but uh, maybe automation <laughs> but there are robots in this game That's and true. they're talking in <laughs> Karl Marx likes the communism Yes, he does. Um, yeah, it was an interesting quote because it's not like explicitly about uh, communism or even about capitalism. The quote was, I don't have it in front of me, but it was, um, mm-hmm. it's uh, about like history and like, um, yeah, it's the, yeah, that's right. The quote was something like, uh, like humans make their own history, but they don't make it out of nothing. They make it out of the conditions that are available to them or, or something like that. Yeah their history is made by them trying to uh you not repeat history or, or something along those lines it was a it was a good quote i haven't actually like read Karl marx before so it actually made yeah. me like i should read some some marx <laughs> yeah no i i i, I always support reading more marx <laughs> yeah um oh, i'll have to get your your marx recommendations <laughs> after the podcast. Uh, yeah I, I mean it's uh there is certainly a lot of marx that is uh incredibly dense and he I, maybe that's not the one I would jump to for recommendations. Um, All right. But there's some that's um, not as bad. Sure. So, I mean, are there any other big things uh, you want to talk about before we sort of talk about uh, our results? Because I kind of wanted to go through. Did you did you oh, save your no, results after I you played? Didn't. Oh, no. <laughs> you fool. Uh, I just remember that I got neg- I should have saved my results. That was dumb. Um, I should have screenshotted it. I see. I just copied the text and put it in a in a file on my uh, uh, yeah. Google Docs. Damn it! Ah, uh, that's a shame. I, I remember so, I got negative eight uh, space bias, and I just remember that because I thought that was a funny, like yeah, <laughs> a funny oh, metric. That's interesting. I got I got nine spice, you, space bias. Do you remember what ending you got? Um. Oh God, what was it called? What, what it was called is less important. Uh, I'm more interested in like what happened. Um, I don't actually remember. I think, uh, I, I, it wasn't clear to me which part was the, um, like when the ending was different and when it was like not different, like which part was the just end? describe to me what happened at the end. And um, I can tell you how different the, it was. the other company destroyed my company or something. Oh, like really? That. I think so. Oh, okay. That's um, quite different from what happened to me. Yeah, I I don't know. The, I I reached a point where I was like, um, I was ha- kind of having trouble following just the like facts of the narrative. Yeah, um, it gets like I said, it gets really broad and like toward the end, it kind of like gets away from you a little bit. It's just kind of like, oh yeah, and this faction wants to, this company wants to go to war with you. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. yo, what? Yeah, and then they did, and I. S- I I lost, I think. Okay. So what happened to me is that my, like, when you're, when you, after you've sort of done the part where you're writing, writing the copy ad, the coffee ad copy, then you start doing this thing where you like pick a customer of the week and it makes, it's supposed to like make customers feel more at home be, or Mm -hmm. like more like there's a personal touch because the company has specific restrictions on the amount of time that, uh, that like yeah. employees can be in like contact with customers. Yeah, I thought uh, that was funny. <laughs> and so 
like my customer of the week ended up being a war hero and being like instrumental in like helping us like win the war. And then, uh, I like backed them in an election to be the leader of our like free sovereign nation. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, uh, my, like the AI thing that has like basically helped me take over this corporation becomes, became sentient and, uh, was like, all right, your usefulness to me has is no longer, uh, <laughs> but you've done me well and you helped me reach the point that I am. So I'll give you whatever you want. I'm going to create a new synthetic body for you, and uh, wow. I can I can change any part of your personality that you want. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, it and then so it like showed me my scores, and I got to like increase one of them by ten. <laughs> oh wait, I also got to increase one of mine by ten. Um, Oh really? At the end, yeah. Okay. Um, I wonder if I wonder if that happens no matter what ending you get. Yeah, but but anyway, um, so like I guess I'll tell you what my stats ended up being. My expand expansion ended up being minus ten out of fifty nine. My exploitation ended up being zero out of forty seven. Boo. My my synthetic ended up being thirty out of forty one. So I think that's why my my like AI was proud of me and helped me out was because I was so nice to robots. And then my space bias was four, which I don't really know where space bias came from. I think at some point I decided to like launch a space program. Oh, interesting. Uh, and then my intervention was five out of seventeen. Which I don't really know what most of that means other than expansion and exploitation because most of the times if it was like a really shitty corporation, then I would just be like, nope, I do not want to buy super shitty ones. I want to only want to buy a little bit shitty ones. <laughs> Got a limit to how exploitative you're willing to be. Yeah, but... Um, That's why you can never also, make it, Blake. Ah, there you go. But I also wanted to uh, sort of talk about uh, a little bit of like a mistake I made, which is... Uh, the customer of the week, I thought, I didn't realize I was supposed to be like writing about someone else, so I just put my own name. <laughs> and then and then later on in the game, uh, it asks you to explicitly put your own name. So uh, there was some confusion for me when it was like talking about me, but I didn't know if it was talking about me or the customer of the week. And yeah. there were times when it was talking about the customer of the week, and it was definitely thought it was talking about me. It was very confusing. Yeah, that was. Uh, con- but I think that was my own stupidity. That was uh, confusing to me, too. Um, but. Um, for a slightly different reason, I put um, the last two. Uh, I put the same name, um, which is when the name of the customer of the week, and then when it wants you to put your own name. I for some reason I got confused and was thinking that your own name is I was supposed to be taking the perspective of the customer of the week. I don't know why I thought that. So I put the same name <laughs> so in you did the same thing for t- those two, not, but not for my own name. Um, but then it's funny because the name that I used for them was Blake. I was like, <laughs> Oh, there you go. Yep. <laughs> I was like, I don't funny. actually know what this does. So, uh, I'll, huh. I'll just put in a name. Uh, a small part of me was hoping that it would turn out. I didn't think this was likely, but that it would turn out to be something like Pocky where there's a, uh, connected. A connection between <laughs> between each playthrough of the game, and, and you'd see your name in there or something. But. That would have been a fun twist. <laughs> um, all right, so so my last uh, sort of question for you was: Do you remember what you 
so when you are given the task to rebrand the company, it basically says, we know we want to be RKS, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we don't know what we want those things to stand for. So you get to sort of do the same thing you've been doing with the ad copy where you get to like uh, cycle through a bunch of options and pick each of the three words. So do you... Did you like write down what you chose to be your your like your solve what you chose to call it? Um, no, I did not. Uh, I, I I spent a long time just clicking through those. Yeah, um, I clicked through every option on all three. Yeah, me too. I thought it was funny that like all of the K ones were not like spelled right. <laughs> they were just C words with a K. <laughs> just I loved it. I just, picked one of those just to make it more like. Uh, like continue the joke of like there's no reason why they picked these initials it's just like yeah yeah so i i named mine uh i kind of i've been looking for uh like software jobs in the area recently and you see a lot of places with just like the most startup ass just stupid names that don't mean anything they just like reuse uh like a programming word and then like a another word to i don't know they're they're very stupid if you've never looked at like just software company names other than like the big ones obviously uh-huh. they're incredibly stupid uh and so i named mine uh the recursive companion with a k software theocracy <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome i um, which uh I, which i felt um, was uh, pretty good <laughs> Yeah, I, I just clicked through and got back to that part in the game, um, mm-hmm. and I remember what I named mine, which was the Radical Combat Singularity. Ooh, um, that's fun. So we're, Combat spelled like, with a K. Of course. Uh, so were you, like, buying up all the, the military companies and becoming a, a uh-huh. war powerhouse? Uh, I bought one. Um, I, I didn't actually, like... Uh, align the name of the uh, corporation very closely to how I operated the corporation. See, I feel like I didn't on purpose, but like looking back at it now, recursive companion, that's like a computer companion, like a synthetic person, which synthetic was my highest spec. It wasn't intentional, but it turned out that way. Um, (coughs) Oh man, I'm clicking through these again and they're so random. One of them is just read, like the name read. R-E-E-D? No, R-E-I-D, like Huh. Does that have a meaning other than a name? I don't think so. It'd just be like, read. It's like a guy's last name. Oh, yeah. It's gonna be last. I was just thinking it's like some guy's first name, like Steve Company. <laughs> Steve Combat Singularity. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Another one, uh, another one on there is Kantian. I thought that was funny. Oh, really? Yeah. Like spelled like Immanuel Kant? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a read Kantian syndicate could be one. Oh my God. That's incredible. Or or radical Kantian solutions. Oh, that's what I should have named it. That'd be a good one. Radical Kantian solutions. That, that might be my favorite detail of the game is like that. You get to pick that, um, you know, that it's an acronym. What do you call those? Initialism. Initialism. Yeah. You get to pick the, the words of that initialism was maybe like my favorite interactive part (laughs) of the game. Yeah, I know uh, Awesome Marker, he also does like a a, a a real play podcast where they, they play like tabletop adventure games and he's the DM for that. And I know he has a lot of fun like coming up with uh, like weird, crazy ass character names uh, for that podcast. It's called Friends at the Table if you're interested. Oh, okay. But um, but anyway, he has some uh, like doing that reminded me of like how much he loves coming up with like these names that are 
not really names, but it's like a cyberpunk uh, tabletop game. So they have all these ridiculous uh, names. I wish I could like come up with one, but um, I'm kind of drawing a blank off the top of my head. Um, but anyway, that I, I sort of liked that that part of me. It was like a nice little part of Austin's personality that I'm familiar with because I've been following him for a few years now. <laughs> Huh. Yeah, I wasn't really um, super familiar with Austin Walker prior to this game, but he seems like a, a pretty cool guy. Um, I want to follow his his writing a little more now. Yeah, I, I think definitely his uh, the website that he's um, uh, he's the editor in chief of Waypoint is yeah, uh, yeah. is really cool, and they're doing something interesting in the game space that's not being being done a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's it's definitely uh worth uh worth checking out um uh, i'm gonna here. screenshot radical kantian solutions yeah radical radical kantian solution is incredibly good <laughs> uh, i want to try and find it and see if i can get because they they did a cyberpunk uh like arc in the podcast where they were doing like uh it was like a mecha cyberpunk mecha. So they were like living in a dystopia and they all had like, uh, mechs, like basically, uh, Gundams. And, uh, I only listened to a few episodes. I never got super far into it cause it was kind of time consuming, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, uh, I, anyway, I'm, I'm not, I'm not having any luck finding, uh, finding here. Let me see if I can do it. characters let's look at the player characters oh those don't have that and npcs he names these let's okay i found a list paisley moon oh what are there's some really good ones um territory jazz tendency porter <laughs> socrates nikon artesmius superintendent 12 uh there's one that i swear his name is like five six seven but i can't find it uh anyway i feel like (laughs) we're sort of losing the plot here is there anything else uh you had to say about a century that you uh you know was um well we didn't say anything about the music yet um oh which thank you so much yeah i uh i guess the only thing i had to say about that is it was interesting um having a soundtrack that was not actually like uh fixed to my position in the game obviously because mm-hmm. you just you just start it in a youtube wind- window while you play the twine game um mm-hmm. because i'm kind of used to uh you know one of the the things that makes video games kind of unique in the way they use music is it's the music doesn't happen at a certain time it happens at a certain like place like if you mm-hmm. take longer to complete a certain level it'll be a while before the music changes to that next track um so yeah it was it was a little weird that uh it's still like the music is um uh it's all very good like ambient uh mm-hmm. cyberpunk music so it's still it still worked as a soundtrack but the last like five minutes of me playing it uh or even even 10 minutes the music had cut out so i just restarted it mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah see i i spent a really long time playing it because i was like i read every single piece of text there was to read uh so i ended up playing through the soundtrack entirely almost like twice oh yeah yeah uh, I yeah probably, and i, I, I found it to one be and a half good. maybe 
Yeah, it's actually it's super. It, the music's by Scott Hollum. I know I mentioned it already. It's on Bandcamp, but it's yeah. definitely like super duper Blade Runner inspired, yes. which is another thing I wanted to mention because I know for a fact Austin Walker loves Blade Runner. So, <laughs> how familiar are you with Blade Runner and the similarities between this game and Blade Runner? Um, I'm fairly familiar with Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the similarities seem to be largely like genre and uh, setting is very similar. Um, sure. Is there like an, uh, like a narrative? No, I guess that's sort of what I was. I guess maybe the music just made me like the music is so Blade Runner. It's very good. Uh, and I was just like constantly just thinking like, oh, this sounds just like Vangelis's soundtrack for, for Blade Runner. And like yeah. the art, just like it looks like Blade Runner fan art, almost like um, yeah, yeah, like the the rainy, dark mega yeah, city. But I guess in many way, Blade Runner just kind of like defined cyberpunk, and yeah. almost all cyberpunk looks and sounds similar to Blade Runner because <laughs> it doesn't exist without Blade Runner. Yeah, and people don't make it unless they love Blade Runner. <laughs> well, well, I so. wouldn't say Blade Runner defines cyberpunk. I'd say Neuromancer defines cyberpunk. But oh, see, I'm not that familiar with Neuromancer. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't actually know that it came before Blade Runner. I, you, you might, I, well, so the book that. Blade Runner's based on Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Electric Sheep. Yeah, did I'm pretty sh- almost certain. I am certain that that came out before Neuromancer. So, okay. I guess in that way. Um, sure, sure. But but a lot of the visual tropes of cyberpunk, I think, um, come out of Blade Runner. Sure, sure. Um, all right. Well, is there is there anything else you want to say, or should we tell the people about our game for next week? Uh, I think that's all I had, so we can we can move to all the right, next one. All right, cool. So the game we are playing next week has a hell of a title. <laughs> it is called <laughs> Packing Up the Rest of Your Stuff on the Last Day at Your Old Apartment. Again, I, that is Packing Up the Rest of Your Stuff on the Last Day at Your Old Apartment. This is maybe the only game where reading you the itch link is probably actually going to make it easier to find than trying to type up that entire title. <laughs> the link is turnfollow.itch.io slash packing up. Turnfollow.itch.io slash packing up. Um, so, so do your best to find that. I'm pretty sure it's free to play. Just go on itch, download it, play mm-hmm. it. Actually, I should, I should check and make sure it's free. But, um, I think the the name is pretty uh, self descriptive. Yeah, it is free. Is it? Oh, you know, I I don't feel like I know what that game could be about. Uh, well, Jordan, <laughs> packing up the rest of your stuff on uh, the last day at your old apartment is a first person game set in an almost moves, moved out of apartment. Oh, I thought it was a fantasy RPG. I'm glad you uh, glad you clarified no, that. That's a common misconception. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh, make sure to check that out if you're if you're playing along. And then also uh, follow us at EdgeGuardCast on uh, on Twitter because we tweet out links to uh, our developers that make the games that we play and mm-hmm. to the games that we play. We tweet them out in the week before so you can get the links easily and also support the creators. Go check them out on Twitter and be like, hey, pretty sure Austin Walker is just at Austin Walker. Mm-hmm. Check out his, uh, his website, waypoint.vice.com. They're doing a lot of yeah. cool stuff over there. Yeah, and Austin uh, uh, Walker is very active uh, Twitter user also, so definitely worth follow. Yeah, big time. Um, yep. All right, so we will uh, we'll talk to you everyone next week. Yep. Talk to you next time.